1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 276 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by OverDrive. This is Adam. I'm joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm still cold. (laughs) Maybe because our office is cold, though. Our
2: office is freezing. Yeah,
1: I know that people work hard when they are like when you have a large office like ours. Like I, I'm sure it's a a lot like a subtle dance to figure out getting the temperature right in the office. But I've been cold all day and. I happen to be right under some vents. So that's unfortunate. It's cold. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. What's what what's today's episode? It's all to- you.
2: <laughs> so today's episode is an interview I did with uh, author and illustrator Whitney Gardner back at ALA Annual. Whitney has had a couple um, graphic novels and books come out in the past couple of years, including Your Welcome Universe and Chaotic Good. But her most recent uh, graphic novel is called Fake Blood, and it is about a middle schooler who decides to pretend to be a vampire in order to. Um, Attracts his crush, only to find out later that she's actually a vampire slayer. So that I, sort of makes things complicated. As,
1: <laughs> as is want to happen.
2: Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's so adorable in person. And um, she does the illustrations for her books on her own. Um, so, yeah, it's good stuff.
1: kind of sounds like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer adjacent sort of a story.
2: Yeah, we talk a little bit about... Um, Her other book, Chaotic Good Too, which is about um, a girl who um, is into cosplaying, and um, she just is like has this very you know sort of nerdy side Mm -hmm. that she just totally owns, (laughs) and it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That sounds
1: really really good. Um, if people have feedback or if they want to get a hold of us, you can always find us at professionalbooknerds.com. That's where you'll find a link to our Viber page, which is our reading community, which a bunch of people have joined, and we talk about books all the time. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, at ProBookNerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at com. You clicked you are going to say something? Nope. Is that everything? I think. So okay, cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this interview on the Professional Book Nerds podcast.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Jill, and with me today I have Whitney Gardner, author of um, author and illustrator of Your Welcome Universe and Chaotic Good. Her latest book, Fake Blood, is out in September. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank
0: you for having me.
2: So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Fake Blood?
0: Oh, Fake Blood? Um, That's my first graphic novel coming out in September. It's uh, for a middle grade audience. It's about a boy who's trying to win over the heart of his vampire-obsessed crush. So he decides to um, pretend to be a vampire to win her over. But his uh, big mistake is that she doesn't... Love. Van- uh, she's not obsessed with vampires because she's in love with them. She's obsessed with them because she wants to slay them. And now he's found himself in a
2: predicament. In <laughs> a bit of a predicament, right. Yes. And also then Chaotic Good, because this one, the description for this, I'm just like, oh, this is my kind of book. <laughs>
0: chaotic Good is like, she's the man, uh, meets Dungeons & Dragons sort of a, a girl cosplayer, uh, moves to a town in Oregon called Eugene. It's south of Portland, and she's feeling sort of misplaced there, and she feels uh, sort of put out by the owner of the local comics shop. So she decides to dress in drag to uh, sort of infiltrate the boys' club and join their Dungeons & Dragons so
2: I'm going to go ahead and guess you're sort of a geek yourself. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a really good and important thing to have more books that feature characters like that that are, you know, just there's so many of us who identify that way and being able to see ourselves in fiction like is it fun to write those types of characters? Oh absolutely it's
0: fun it's fun for my younger self to feel like oh all these things that i once liked and was the only girl that liked right. these things. Now i've been connected with so many other women and girls who love these things and it's nice to feel like we have a community. Right. Going. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? Though? I am a dungeon master. Yes. Oh
2: that's even better. <laughs> So when I was reading um, the description of both uh of Good and Fake Blood, I thought it was interesting that there's these two characters who sort of are pretending to be something else.
0: Oh, wow, yes.
2: <laughs> was that intentional? Absolutely not.
0: I am just realizing that this very much. <laughs> Alright, well, that's
2: okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that's sort of, you know, there's a lot of Shakespeare would do plots like that. That's a very sort of common mm-hmm. plot, so... Not intentional, but what made you want to, for both of those stories, take that approach to telling it? Um,
0: I think that when I was growing up, I was sort of a loner kid. I was a weird kid, and I didn't have. All my stories are sort of centered around making friends. Your welcome universe is the same. Um, and I think that when I was trying to figure out the best way to make friends, I would. Try on different personalities to try and win over whoever I was trying to be friends with. Mm -hmm. And I think that ultimately that never really works um, because then you're have you either stuck pretending to be this new person or these people don't like you for who you are. Right. So I think that that sort of thing runs through a lot, I guess, runs through a lot of my stuff because it's how I felt growing up.
2: And I feel like a lot of people probably do that I'm 30 and I still have to like oh, yeah, stop myself thing. from <laughs> from doing that so I think exploring that and from for like the younger audience who are maybe struggling with that and finding their own identities it's important to have those books that they can relate to in that way yeah so before becoming um, a writer you had worked as an art teacher and a school librarian is that that's correct right. that's right so did your experience as a school librarian um, help you in becoming a writer do you think
0: absolutely I don't think that if if I hadn't become a school librarian, I don't know if I necessarily would have become a writer. Um, but that was my foot in the door to the world of children's books. And I really, I loved that job very much.
2: So were there things that you noticed, maybe there were gaps in what was already being written that you thought you... No,
0: not necessarily. I, I don't try to, like, fill in a niche or a gap or anything it's just whatever I want to write or an idea that is begging right to be written
2: when you write do you um plot out the plot that sounded terrible do you yes have I am a plot okay I'm
0: not a pantser <laughs> okay I outline and outline and outline and I don't always stick to the outline but it's very nice to know that it is there in moments when I get stuck writing like But you know what's coming next. It's this, this, and this. And (laughs) you're like, okay, I got this. I can keep going. Um, So, yes, I outline a lot.
2: And um, then making that switch from, because, you know, You're Welcome Universe and, get a good word, novels. Mm -hmm. And now Fake Blood is a graphic novel. How was the change in your process for creating a graphic novel? Was there a difference in how you sort of approach things? Not
0: really, which is I, people are sort of surprised when I say this. Uh, I started writing graphic novels first, and I switched novels no, in the, back. in the, the back background. Again, okay, but it's still the same. I outline everything first, and with graphic novel, I don't do any drawings up front. I write the whole script first, so that way, future Whitney has room to be creative. Okay. When it comes time to draw, see that probably would have been one
2: of my next questions. Was how, like that, I think we haven't had a graphic. I don't think we've ever had a graphic novelist on the podcast before. So I was really excited to talk to you because that whole thing is so interesting to me. Like how that all works in terms of the the script is as you said, and then the panels and fitting it all together. What is that
0: like? Everybody's process is a little different, which can be kind of tricky. I think of publishing. Because all artists like to do things their own way. But I uh, write the whole script first. My editor and I went back and forth on it. And then once it was nailed down as much as we could, then I started drawing. Because I don't want to go back and say, oh, this whole scene has to go after you draw- you've you drawn it. That's very heartbreaking. Right, of it's course. a lot more work to edit a piece of art than it is to edit a page of text. Sure. Um, and then I would send... My editor, my art director, uh, one chapter at a time of just the outlines, and they would finagle uh, things, and then I colored, and then it was... Then you had the whole yes, thing. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> That I... makes it sound so much easier than no, it actually is. <laughs> it
2: doesn't. Don't worry. I, I can just sort of imagine, because I feel like graphic novels have that element of... I mean, they're very visual, of course, but you have to sort of take the page stuff into account, too, right? Like children's books... You know yes. how the leaves work and all mm-hmm. of that. And, I, and I'm and i wondering if that was a challenge or an obstacle to sort of work around. That's sort of a puzzle you
0: figure out very early. After you write the script, you do something called Thumbnailing, which is basically drawing the entire book with stick figures, very small. And so when you do that, you kind of see, oh, this is where the page breaks. Or, oh, um, I want the scene to end here at the bottom of this page, so I have to make sure that all of this can fit into these two pages. So once you have that sort of figured out, it's like having the outline. You're like, I know I did this. I figured it all out. So right. If you go to draw the real thing, I don't have to math it out quite as much.
2: Okay. And, you know, as someone who was a librarian, um, were you, I'm taking you were a big reader when you were a kid then? I was not. Oh, you weren't? No. Do oh, you? <laughs> Look at
0: that. That's me assuming things. I did not like reading until maybe a senior year of high school. Okay. I loved picture books. I hung on to them for as long as I could. Uh, I liked short books, so when I started writing, I, it's really just like writing the books that I wish I had. So my books are all on the shorter end, they all still have pictures, and even mm-hmm. if they're novels, like, I just wanted to make books for reluctant readers, readers mm-hmm. because that's what I was.
2: So what changed then when you got to high school?
0: Uh, someone gave me *Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy*, ah. and it blew my mind. I didn't realize that books could be funny like that. Every book that I had was an assignment for class. I didn't do a lot of reading at home, so I just was reading like I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Ethan Frome. Like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so like, someone gives me a *Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy*, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is funny and weird and. It, it blew my mind, and that kind of opened me up to the books. I think that really
2: is a struggle that teachers and, and librarians have. Teachers probably specifically because there are certain books I have to teach, and if the kids aren't really finding it interesting, they may get completely turned off from reading altogether.
0: And YA was not a thing when I was growing up. Like, we had Babysitter's Club, and that's about it. That was like, about Sweet it. Like, Valley High. And I was not into that. I was not like a babysitter's club kid. Um, so to me, I didn't have those options. Like if somebody had maybe handed me Hitchhiker's Guide earlier, because then, I mean, that's, that's not very high bar. Right. Uh, maybe I would have been more interested. I always did like when teachers let us choose at least one book in the classroom.
2: So then when you were working as a school librarian, did you have opportunities to help those kids who maybe had venues? I
0: tried. (laughs) It was nice because I didn't have to assign them a book. Right. And I was just like, welcome to the magical world of books. What do you like? Let me show you where it is. I had a very small library. It was about the size of a classroom. So I tried my hardest to get something of everything in there. Um, I was just glad that I didn't have to be the person to assign that the,
2: the book. I know. I don't want
0: to ever say like that book is boring because it could be someone's favorite book but
2: yeah. no but I mean you know we all have our own unique tastes. On. I hated most of the assigned reading but I luckily you know had books outside of it and enjoyed reading on my own and so for the kids who don't do that I think it really is a struggle for them and they just sort of think I'm not a good reader. I just don't like reading. But without knowing that there's this whole world of other books out there, you just right. have to find it. And luckily, there are becoming more and more YA books. You know that genre is becoming more popular for yes. those kids.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, that's it's hard. <laughs> so then, um, when you did start reading, were you other than Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? What sort of types of books were you reading?
0: Oh, um, I read a lot of Tom Robbins. It's not very children of proposal. <laughs> um and then I mean I think I like just started back pedaling and going back and re- rereading all of Shell Silverstein and rereading all of the Sundack and I kind of like got over this I'm supposed to not like picture books name, and just I wanted to hard on children's books uh Wayside School oh I love the Wayside School books yes another series that I was obsessed with those are
2: so much fun mm-hmm. and I, yeah so I want to do the Wayside School graphic novel I'm calling
0: Dibs Whoever can make that happen... Well,
2: um, <laughs> I would be all over that. Those books were so much fun, and they were just so... The, I think that was one of those books where the first time I read them, I'm just like, books can be like this? And right. I read a lot, but they were just so different mm-hmm. from anything else I would ever read before. And I still remember, like, the Floor 13, where, like, the <laughs> teacher's <laughs> on the Floor 13, but there's no Floor 13, story. so you just, like, run up and down the stairs. Yeah. Like, they're just so... There's just something about them that even now, 25 years later, I'm still just I'm really fascinated by them. And those, are, I think, are the stories that we have to try and get kids to read, the ones that really get into your brain and won't leave. <laughs> for sure. Um, so have you gotten then, with your books now, have you heard from kids who've read them and have found them?
0: Um, not too much, because the books that I have out right now are for high school right. kids, and for them it's not cool to care about kids. <laughs> um, but I have done some school visits and they've been very um, charming and nice. But, <laughs> um, no, I haven't had too much interaction with leaders okay. yet. But I'm still very new.
2: That's alright. But you're doing school visits, so there's probably, yeah. hopefully, kids who have sat in and on on those and thought, I can go read those I think books.
0: that that's what happens. I think in the moment, you don't really hear, but later on, you hope that they like Something,
2: something, yeah stuck of course absolutely so um let me see I have notes that I cannot read right now um okay so at um the end of all of our interviews we do this thing that we call the nerd nine which are nine sort of light-hearted questions don't okay. push too much thought into these I promise so what was the last book you finished reading <laughs>
0: The last book I finished reading was like The Hating the Game. The um, I was I on, at, on uh, vacation, and that was my treat. <laughs>
2: <in. laughs> That's fine. I feel like I probably know the answer <laughs> to this, but what was the book that made you fall in love with reading?
0: Well, The yes. Checker's Guide, and then also Where the Sidewalk
2: Ends*. Okay. Do you have a favorite place you like to read? Um, Outside. Anywhere what, outside. Anywhere outside. Yeah. Um, what is one place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Japan. Oh,
0: okay. I'd love to go to Japan.
2: Do you have a favorite holiday? New Year's
0: Eve. That's a, I don't think
2: I've ever had anyone <laughs> give that answer before. That's a good one. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee? I have two pugs. Oh, mm-hmm. oh I love pugs. Yeah. They're so cute. Little don't much faces. um faces. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite food? Uh, don't make me. Food. it's fine <laughs> I feel like yeah I had interviewed pizza donuts that's a tricky one sushi okay <laughs> junk food all of it just all of the yeah. food and if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive who would it be oh okay
0: it would be yeah I'm gonna just say shell over sea.
2: that's a good answer yeah that is um, so finally what is one thing you would like readers to take away from reading your books
0: Um, I would like readers to, I don't know, read my books and feel like it's okay to break the rules a little bit. I really like that answer.
2: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Wendy. It's wonderful. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.